Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest. Anisha McClure is a board-certified physician assistant turned gut health coach who has recovered from severe IBS and acid reflux. She now empowers motivated individuals with IBS, reflux, SIBO, and other digestive disorders with the right tools so that they can stop letting their symptoms steal their focus and start having the freedom and energy to create a purposeful life. Welcome to the show, Anisha. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, thanks, Dr. Shayla. I'm so glad to be here. We've been hearing more and more about gut health in the media. I I feel like probably every week I'm seeing something pop up about gut health. Now, can you explain for our audience what is gut health and why is it so important for our overall well-being? Yeah, so I think in order to define gut health, I think we actually need to define the gut. So like your gut starts from your mouth and ends at your anus. It's kind of a hollow tube and it's meant to take in food so that we can absorb nutrients, minerals, all kinds of things that we need to be able to live our life, energy, to be able to live our life, to be able to make sure our muscles work, our other organs work. The really interesting thing about the gut is that it's involved in a lot of different processes too. So one of the things I always tell people to consider is that the majority of your lymphatic tissue in the body, so your immune system, where your immune system lies, is in and around your gut in something called the gut-associated lymphatic tissue. And then the other thing that I always like to tell people too about why gut health matters so much is your gut has its own nervous system called the enteric nervous system. And that communicates with your brain, you know, every couple of minutes so that a diseased gut can affect your brain, but so can a diseased brain affect your gut. It's a great place to start thinking about if you have symptoms, what could be going on deeper? It could be something in your brain that's causing actually a gut issue, maybe anxiety or depression causing your gut issues, or you could have gut issues that are causing some anxiety or depression. There's a lot of different things that our gut can tell us and gut health can tell us. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the miraculous things that has come about with us learning more and more about the gut, bringing about so many things that we hadn't thought about before in terms of that connection of the gut to so many other health problems. You know, for a long time, we've we've always thought about that kind of you are what you eat. But I feel like this just even brings home that importance even more once we know, you know, about these issues with our gut health. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like, you know, in modern day medicine, a lot of times we go to the cardiologist for heart issues and we go to rheumatologist for autoimmune issues and we go to, you know, a urologist for bladder issues. But when it comes to gut health, it's kind of one of the signifiers that, hey, like a lot of these systems are connected through the gut, but through other systems too. But like, hey, let's start thinking about health and our bodies as an entire system instead of individual organ systems. Right, right. Yeah. And that's so important. So tell us a bit more. What are some of the common signs and symptoms that someone may be having a gut issue or unhealthy gut? And then how can people recognize these symptoms? Yeah, so I think it's important to understand how a normal digestive tract works first, right? Like 
you have to have saliva in order to start breaking down. There's enzymes in your saliva. You have lingual lipase, you have salivary amylase. That's an important part. You have to be able to chew your food, right? Your stomach doesn't have teeth. So you have to be able to chew your food. Your esophagus has to work to be able to get food to your stomach. Your stomach needs to make enough acid. That stomach needs to be able to push it through to your small intestine where bile can come in and pancreatic enzymes can be put out. And that goes through your small intestine where, where nutrients can be absorbed and into your colon where your microbiome is. And then we pass the stool. So any point in this process, if there is a problem and it's it is that domino effect. You really have to have every piece in place in order for your digestive tract to function optimally. And if, say for instance, if you have low stomach acid, well, that could present as symptoms like abdominal pain, upper abdominal pain. It could present with acid reflux. It could present with nausea, um, with a sense of fullness, bloating, loss of appetite. And then you can also have issues with motility. So say if you have issues with esophageal motility, so your esophagus being able to push food, push food to your stomach or, uh, or intestinal motility issues, well, that could present like bloating, constipation, diarrhea. And then you can also talk about some of these extra intestinal manifestations of poor gut health too. So, I mean, what we've talked about before was main just IBS type symptoms, right? digestive symptoms as we describe them, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, acid reflux. But then we can also think about things like rashes. Certain rashes can be born from the gut too. You know, depression, anxiety, like we talked about before. I mean, those can be really related to your gut health as well. And that could be just through poor absorption of nutrients because your digestive tract is functioning optimally. Or it could be from things like bacterial endotoxins getting leached into your bloodstream and causing autoimmune disorders, brain fog, fatigue, joint aches, all those kinds of things can be from poor gut health. So it's really like a lot of different things. It's not just constipation and diarrhea. Right, right. And thank you, because that's, that's the important part too, you know, for people to know, people just automatically think that, well, you know, I don't have an upset stomach, you know, I don't, I'm not constipated. So surely it's not, you know, my gut. And it's like, no, there's so much more to it. And there can be so many other ways that it can present. Exactly. Yep. That's so true. And now tell us about the gut microbiome. You brought up a little bit about that, but can you just clarify what exactly is it and then how it influences our health? Yeah. So, well, one thing I'll say about the gut microbiome is it's, we're still in the infancy of that kind of research. There's so much more to learn. However, uh, I like to explain the gut microbiome, which is the, which is what I'm describing is the microbiome that's mostly in your colon. Okay. You have some bacteria that also exist in your small intestine and you have your entire oral microbiome, which is a completely different entity. But when you're, when we're talking about your microbiome in your colon, I like to describe it as like a rainforest. So if you think about a, a rainforest, it has like tall trees and, and ferns and bushes and shrubs and fruits and, and uh, mushrooms and different animals and insects and all these kinds of things. And they all interplay on each other. But say for instance, if one of the trees up top gets a disease and now you have all of these plants underneath that are now getting exposed to sunlight that they're not used to being getting exposed to. And now those start to disease out as well. And then that affects the insects, which affects the animal. So it's an entire ecosystem that's kind of quite fragile. And, you know, we have trillions of bacteria, microorganisms, yeast inside your colon. And the thing that I want people to understand, because there's a whole bunch of information about probiotic supplements getting thrown down people's throats, is that it's not just the probiotic. The 
the microorganisms themselves feed off of something called prebiotics. And those prebiotic fibers, which mostly we get from food, which we can talk about later, that actually, with the probiotic, ferments those fibers, and that creates postbiotic chemicals. So these things that we, you might have heard, maybe short-chain fatty acids, things like butyrate, propionate, acetate, and those chemicals actually are the powerhouse of the gut. That's actually where what reduces inflammation, it increases tight junctions, preventing what we, you know, that leaky gut thing that we'll hear about, or that intestinal permeability can kind of create those tight junctions, improve motility. So it's not just the probiotic that matters. It's actually the prebiotic fibers that those probiotics are fermenting that create these postbiotic chemicals that are actually the powerhouse of the gut and are improving a lot of the gut health, if that makes sense. So the microbiome is, yeah, it's really complicated. You know, I love that rainforest analogy. I've never heard it, you know, talked about that way, but I love that. (laughs) That Yeah, yeah. It's important to think about how one thing can, that's like if we take antibiotics and we wipe out certain bacteria, well, it's going to offer another opportunity for all the bacteria left to grow. Exactly. Um, And then you've upset that whole, you know, microbiome like you said like in the rainforest you know you if you affect one thing you set all of the things yeah yeah and just piggybacking off of that um with the probiotics and the prebiotics because this is something else too I feel like people are always just like you know well I just go grab a thing of you know probiotics but not really understanding the difference and what they actually do so break that down a little bit more for us yeah so most of so that probiotic versus pre plus prebiotic equals postbiotic. That's an important sort of equation to understand because when you go out and maybe buy a probiotic, maybe they have maybe a couple strains of bacteria. There's not very much. If it's a poor quality, it might not even make it to your colon. It might even just get killed off in your stomach. But the more important thing is the prebiotic fibers. We can actually shift a microbiome just off of diet alone. And that if someone just takes the probiotic, but doesn't actually t- eat the prebiotic fibers required to, you know, make sure those probiotics are creating those postbiotic bacteria, then that can be really, it's not that helpful. It's mostly just throwing your money away, really. So what we want to focus on, and actually the greatest predictor of a robust microbiome or a diverse microbiome, which we think is what's best for our bodies, is 30 to 40 plants per week. So whole plant foods. And it's not necessarily specific foods. We're talking about just fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and legumes. I mean, that's really what we're talking about at the at, at the base of it. And the other thing is eating probiotics. So you could get a probiotic supplement that's going to have maybe one or two strains of maybe up to five, six, sometimes a little bit more, but not very many in the grand scheme of things. Or you could eat some of these probiotic rich foods, things like kimchi, sauerkraut, tempeh, pickles. I mean, those kinds of things that have hundreds of strains of lots of beneficial bacteria that we've been using in, as humans. We've been preserving food this way for so long. Um, and those can have really helpful impacts more than say probiotics on your gut. Not saying that probiotics can't be helpful. They can in certain instances be helpful, but in general, they're not the panacea that people kind of thought right. they were. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, I, I've even seen patients, they'll come to me and, you know, they've got like a whole grocery sack of supplements and, you know, and it's like, at what point you're supplementing the supplement, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's like, we can get rid of a lot of this and just change what's on your plate, you know, because it's so important about what we are 
feeding ourselves and putting in internally and how that's making a difference in our health. Not so much with all of these supplements, because even as you talked about, you know, we have stomach acids and things that are going to break down some of those things. And you probably aren't even absorbing, especially for the amount that I've seen some people on, (laughs) you probably aren't even absorbing a lot of that, Uh, really just throwing away money. Yeah. That being said, I will say like, I do see the people that have the drawers of supplements. I get that pain. I've been that person that's just trying to find the missing piece to the puzzle. That's going to fix all of my problems. So I understand the allure of, of wanting to find the supplement and and spending a lot of money on that, but that's generally not going to get you to where you need to go. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you'd like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. And now can you discuss with us the connection between gut health and those conditions like IBS or inflammatory bowel disease? Sure. Yeah. I IBS is kind of a kind of a weird di- diagnosis. As far as in medicine, we use something called the Rome 4 criteria, generally speaking, which actually just focuses a lot on pain. I don't know the specifics of the Rome criteria off the top of my head, but generally it's like recurrent abdominal pain on average of at least one day per week in the last three months and then you have to have pain at the end of the day really right there are all these specific criteria but but really it it, if you boil it down it's like a a rule out you've kind of ruled out everything else and it's kind of what we have left (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's exactly what it is and we don't know what causes it yeah so for some people they can get diagnosed with IBS and really all they have is lactose intolerance right or you can have someone that just has severe microbiome problems they could have yeast problems. They could have a lot of other things. Whereas inflammatory bowel disease is an autoimmune disease, usually comprised of just ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease is inflammation generally throughout the entire GI tract. I mean, they can get symptoms in their mouths. They can get symptoms all the way to their anus. Whereas colitis is generally only in the colon where you'll see a lot of inflammation, um, that autoimmune type inflammation. And um, importantly with those two things, there's a lot of extra intestinal. So what I mean by that is things, symptoms outside of the GI tract that can happen with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease as well. It's a much more severe gut problem than, than IBS. But more importantly, both things are extremely debilitating to someone's life. You know, when I struggled with really severe IBS, it was like, you know, I I struggled to even go for a walk with friends or to schedule something with friends because I didn't know what was going to happen with with my body. So um, the more important thing about both of these diseases is that it really steals you of your peace. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for making that distinction for us. Cause yeah, you're exactly right. With IBD inflammatory bowel disease, those are um, autoimmune type conditions and tend to be, you know, much more severe, but both can be impactful. Even lactose intolerance, lactose intolerance is what led me to a plant-based lifestyle after I suffered for years of debilitating kind of bent over stomach pain um, that was uh, severe. And like you, it would, you know, be hard to go out and do things because you're like, well, I know, you know, this is going to kick in at some point and I don't know when, but it's going to be bad kind of thing. And it definitely led me to change my dietary habits to a plant-based diet just to improve my own gut health from that perspective. So even going into that, um, when you coach your clients on gut health, what are some of those foods that you have them incorporate to promote a healthy gut? Yeah. So number one, part of my job is to kind of rule some of those things out. So I actually have most of my clients eliminate lactose and dairy and, and potentially even gluten for a short period of time. And just to see if that actually improves their symptoms on their own, especially for, as you know, people of color, it's really lactose intolerance is extremely prevalent. And then the other things I tell people is just, I just try and increase the diversity of whole plant foods. So a lot of people, most of the people that come work with me, they come on really, really restrictive diets. They think, oh yeah, if I'm eating just this many things, my symptoms are going to get better. And they think they have their symptoms under control, but generally they're seeking help because even that restrictive diet is not actually helping their problem. And, and what we know, even just if you're listening to this, after listening to this, we know that restricting our diet is not good for our microbiome, that our microbiome needs a lot of diverse prebiotic fibers in order to be healthy and robust ecosystem. And so I just try and diversify the diet. If people come to me um, saying, I can't tolerate any legumes at all, I go, okay, how can we get legumes in this person's diet? How do we strategically reintroduce um, lentils and beans such that they can tolerate that because that's such an important part of uh, uh, such an important food group of prebiotic yeah, yeah. and really then I try is. and also just more more fruits and vegetables and um, even trying to get them to eat some whole grains and um, some nuts and seeds as well so uh, just really trying to expand their diet people that come to me that struggle with some you know, digestive symptoms or feeling like they have food sensitivities, a lot of those sensitivities actually improve when you get the microbiome more robust. So there definitely is a strategy to it. But in general, I'm trying to get people to expand what they're eating. Yeah. And one of the other things I've seen with, you know, when folks come in and they have these kind of intolerances, I find that a lot of times it's some of the other things that they've been eating. I don't know if you've seen that too, especially folks who have, you know, maybe been on more of the standard American diet and they eat, you know, some of these other highly fatty foods, high inflammatory type foods. And then they tell you, oh, I can't tolerate beans or, oh, you know, I can't tolerate this or that when in reality, once we remove those other things that are really causing those inflammatory type of symptoms and conditions, then they can tend to tolerate the more healthful things. Yeah, exactly. And I try to focus more on what I want people to eat rather than focusing on what I want them to remove. But yeah, we definitely know that a lot of the standard American stuff, diets high in saturated and trans fats um, are really, really bad for your gut. They're bad for your gut microbiome. They promote constipation and, and are poor for motility and just bad for cardiovascular health. I mean, they're just bad for all for health in general, um, but definitely bad for your gut too. Yeah. Yeah. And then beyond diet, what are some of those lifestyle factors that can impact our gut health? 
Yeah, so this is probably my favorite topic because one of the things that people with IBS and potentially even inflammatory bowel disease struggle with is generally most of us also have some anxiety pieces too, or we can get very hypervigilant about what's going on in our body. So we become hyper aware of the symptoms. So just a small stretching piece that might have someone feel absolutely nothing for me might feel like really severe pain because of the IBS. And that it, you know, stress in, and nervous system dysfunction is such a huge part of inflammatory bowel disease and IBS and other digestive disorders. Remember again, your gut communicates with your brain every couple of minutes. And so um, focusing on that can be hugely beneficial. And a lot of my clients that are my toughest cases, it's there, we have mental breakthroughs. It's not necessarily physical things that we're doing that's different. So focusing on just relaxing the nervous system, um, you know, engaging the vagus nerve by doing certain techniques that could be breath work, it could be um, move gentle movement, it could be meditations, it could be just different things to sort of calm the nervous system down. And what that can do is oftentimes improve motility, improve gastric acid secretion. Um, the other thing I really want to emphasize for people with digestive disorders can make a huge difference is also just mealtime hygiene. Reminding people that digestion starts even before food hits your mouth, that taking deep breaths before getting your body into a parasympathetic or that rest and digest state is absolutely imperative to good digestion. We cannot digest well in a stressed state by design. If we are feeling like we're fighting and flighting, our body is not meant to digest well. It's meant to fight or flight. So um, having those conversations with people can, is, is really, really important when it comes to working with clients. And, and then obviously movement is really important. And sometimes it's a different type of movement. Yoga has really great data for IBS, but really it's just because of that mindfulness, that movement, that gentle movement. Sometimes my clients that train really hard do that HIIT workout or long endurance training. I actually have to get them to slow down because that's getting them into that fight or flight state um, and slowing that down. And then just obviously sleep. Sleep is such an important part of a healthy healthy life, but it's also an important part of the healthy gut. It's important. Everybody talks about intermittent fasting. I'm like, we've been intermittent fasting for, since we've, since we've been right, doing exactly. Like, Especially if you're getting proper sleep, then you, then you are fasting. <laughs> exactly. We're not eating in the middle of the night unless you're, you know, waking up and I don't know, yes. sleepwalking. But for most of us, we've been intermittent fasting forever. We, you know, intermittent fast overnight. So, you know, a lot of those things are hugely, hugely important for gut health. It's more than just the food that we're putting on our plate and that we're putting in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I've even had some patients come into my office. Their concern would be anxiety related and they'd be having these GI issues. It's the way that their anxiety was presenting. And I know I had one particular patient and she didn't tolerate any of the traditional medication things uh, anyway for her anxiety. And so I sent her for acupuncture. And it made a huge, huge difference in her GI symptoms as well as her anxiety just by having a routine of going to acupuncture. And so, yeah, those lifestyle things that that you mentioned are, are so important too in our overall health. Yeah, definitely. These alternative modalities can be hugely, hugely beneficial when it comes to gut health. Because here's the deal, even conventional, in, conven in the conventional world, we don't have great medications to manage these problems, which is what prompted me starting my business and helping fix, fit that, you know, in the middle of that, trying to 
create that solution for people was that in conventional medicine, even the medications that we use for IBS, they're really ineffective. And if we're going to even talk about inflammatory bowel disease, even a lot of those medications, these medications that have so many side effects to them are oftentimes pretty poorly effective, even after taking them for a year. Yeah. Um, and so- for IBS, you know, it's like you mentioned, it's because, you know, we still don't understand so much about it. And then it's so multifactorial into why someone has IBS. So you're right. The medicines that we use to treat it are, are really just symptom relief. You know, if you're constipated, okay, we're going to slow that down. If you got diarrhea, okay, we're going to slow that down. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's all it targets. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's not really getting to the root of the problem. What no. is going on here? Do you have an overgrowth of bacteria? Do you have, um, you know, underpopulated microbiome? Like what's actually going on? And it does take time. It takes time mm-hmm. to get better. But when we commit to, to really focusing on getting to the root of our problems and nourishing from within in mind, body and soul, then we can, I mean, you know, we thrive. And yeah. we go from being sick and in bed and on the couch and wondering when we can go see our friends again to like, you know, now I go on multi-day backpacking trips with my friends. I go on multi-day river floats and I just have that peace of mind of knowing when I'm going to go to the bathroom, what's going to trigger me, what I can eat, what I can't eat and how to manage my nervous system. Exactly. And that's what it's all about, really, you know, boiling it down to where you're living that life that, that you deserve to live and doing those things that, you know, you enjoy and make you happy. And that's, that's really what it's about and getting, you know, that's what we strive for in getting our patients and our clients to that point. So thank you for coming on the show, Anisha. Now tell my audience, how can they connect with you? Yeah. So I, um, you can connect with me on, on my webpage. It's www.anishamcclure.com. Or you can connect with me on Instagram at Anisha McClure. And um, I'd love to hear from you and have you follow along. And, um, you know, I always say I'm, I'm myth busting. I'm clearing up a lot of the confusion surrounding gut health. But really, at the end of the day, what I'm doing with clients is, um, you know, helping keep heal people's guts. That's what I do but setting people free to live a life full of meaning and purpose that they deserve. That's really who I am. Yeah. And Anisha has some great Instagram content for folks listening. So definitely check out her IG, especially if you're just looking even for some quick uh, gut health tips just to get you started on your own health journey there. Yeah, definitely check out Anisha's Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.